Well, here we are, one-year anniversary. I, I was really struck in particular as I was putting together that opening call to worship. And I saw so many of the faces that have been used by God over this last year to allow us to be. And what's really striking to me about that is that we started with that verse. That was the call to worship a year ago. And when we had that call a year ago, talking about that foundation, you think, well, what is the foundation we build on? Well, that foundation is Jesus. It's his teaching. But then what does Jesus do? He takes each of us, all of us, with our, our, our different gifts and talents and interests and abilities, and he builds something with that. He builds something with us. And so it struck me as we read that passage together, I, I love that we got to do that together, because as we read that together, it reminds us that the work of God's kingdom is a work that each of us is called to be a part of. And if you were in that video, I, I thank you so much for everything that you've been doing over this last year. If you weren't in this video, many of you weren't, who weren't in it still have contributed so much over the last year. Thank you for that. And if you weren't in that video and you're thinking, well, what about anniversary number two? I'm glad you're thinking that way because God is continuing to build. And, and so every time he lays a few bricks down, what's he going to do? Then he's going to take more of us and use us to do his work. And that's really what we're thinking about tonight. We've been beginning a, a new series the last couple of weeks, Everyday Jesus, thinking about those normal everyday moments in Jesus's life uh, here on earth. The, what did it look like when Jesus was ministering to the people, but not doing the spectacular miracles? What did it do when, what did it look like when Jesus and his disciples were sitting there at night and, and just chatting? We don't get a ton of examples of that, but we do get a few in Scripture. And that's what we're digging into. And one of those occasions is a story that's very familiar that we're going to get to in a moment about Mary and Martha. But before we get into them, I want to talk about something else that's near and dear to my heart. And that's pizza. I love pizza. How many of you love pizza? Do I have any pizza lovers in here? Okay, we, we, have, some, we have mostly sensible people here uh, that, that love pizza because, of course, pizza, pizza clearly, I, I think it's in Genesis 60 that, that pizza was not fallen uh, during the fall. It, it's, it's, it's the perfect food, yep. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I love pizza, and, and I love to make pizza. That's something I picked up over the pandemic is crafting homemade pizza. And so I, I love to, I have my sourdough starter that I feed throughout the week, and then I love to harvest it and harvest a fresh pizza in the weekend. And I'm only half kidding because you actually do grow this, the sourdough starter, and then you make the dough, and it, it just gives it this nice, rich flavor. It, it works great for thick uh, Chicago-style pizzas. It works great for hand-tossed pizzas, for pan pizzas. And of course, here we are in St. Louis. Yes, it does make, and that's where I started, a St. Louis thin crust pizza. You can do that with it, and, and I love doing that. But there are some essential building blocks of a pizza, right? We, we have uh, pizza sauce, maybe some pepperoni, onion. What else do you like on pizza? Cheese. Ah, how, how could I forget the cheese? That was the question of the week. How could I forget the cheese? Because I ordered the cheese for the pizza. I had that cheese there. 
and I forgot to put it away. And I didn't think about it the next day. Pardon? Blue cheese. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I was trying to make a gourmet pizza. That's, that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll be ready in a few more weeks. Uh, but no, I, I, I was thinking about all kinds of other things. What I did, didn't think about was the thing that brings the pizza all together. It was just sitting there. And so, of course, where do you go when you're wondering if something's still safe to eat? You go online. I tried one of those AI chatbots that have appeared over the last few months, and I said, I left shredded mozzarella out. It's still sealed. I left it out. Is it safe to eat? And the AI bot very politely replied, usually you want to refrigerate it within one to two hours. Next time you may want to consider putting it in the refrigerator. Okay, uh, lesson learned. And, and it wasn't too snarky about it, so I appreciated that. But I'd forgotten something important. Here I was, I had my eyes focused on the prize. I had the cheese, I had the toppings. I just forgot that little thing called refrigeration so that I don't kill anyone with the pizza. So there's the pizza. Yeah, see, it was, it's worth keeping your eye on the prize because any way you slice it, it works out well if you remember what you're supposed to do. Now, let's shed some light on some matters of God's word because God is going to talk to us tonight about places where we lose sight of the real price. Because as much as I love pizza, there's something more important in life than pizza. There's something more important in our calling than pizza. So let's come before our God in prayer and then we'll dig in to his word. Father, we come before you tonight and we thank you for the opportunity to gather a year after we first started gathering as a church in person on Sunday nights and online on Sunday nights. What a, a joy it is to be a church family, to, to see how you're working, how you're building with each of us, how you are gathering us together for a purpose. Lord, would you help us each to keep an eye actually both eyes, fix on where you really want us. Would you direct us? Would you help us to figure out where we're missing the point and to see what you truly value and what you've really called us to do more clearly? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's really get down to it. If I really get down to why I forgot that cheese, well, there are several reasons. You could just say I'm, I'm absent-minded. That wouldn't really be far from the truth at all. I have been known to be a little absent-minded. So there was that. But something else happened to that cheese, that fateful cheese that now is going to go to the animals that will enjoy all the gourmet blue cheese. And that's that I, I'm busy. You're busy. We're all busy, right? We get busy with things. And I, I started thinking about that. Okay, we all have our jobs. They keep us busy. We all have other real obligations that keep us busy. But even when we don't have a particular obligation, we're busy. We're busy even when we're trying to relax. We power relax in this country in this moment, right? So we, we make lists of the things we're going to accomplish when we have leisure time. Too many books to read, too many games to play, too much work around the house to do. All these things that are supposed to be when we're off, we're still busy. Someone was commenting the other day about our cell phone usage. And if you ask most people, most people would say, yes, we use our cell phones, our tablets, our computers too much. 
So every once in a while, someone comes up with a device that is supposed to accomplish what we really need those devices to do, but doesn't do all the other stuff that, that we get lost in. Maybe a device that makes phone calls like a phone, but doesn't have 10,000 apps on it. And it promises it's going to solve how we're so busy because it's not going to have all this stuff on it. But I've seen these devices come and go, and the problem is no one ever buys them. And that, why is that? Because we actually enjoy that busyness. Even as we fret over it, maybe even as we talk about fretting over it, we enjoy telling everyone, I'm so busy, I'm so stressed, right? It, 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 then everyone says, oh, yeah, you really are. So we don't buy those devices, we just stay busy. That's not new to this moment in time. We see that also in Jesus' day. They didn't have cell phones, but they had plenty to do and that's where we enter the house of Mary and Martha. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bible, feel free to turn, or it's right up on screen. And it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who had sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What's going on here? Well, the lights are going out. That's what's going on here. See, I, I got too busy and I must have put the wrong signal in the slide there. So it's what happens when we get too busy. We, we end up messing things up. It happens, right? And I bet all of us have done it. Some of us are more absent-minded like myself and we do it a little more often. Some people seem to pull it all together for a long time. But at some point we end up messing up and it comes down to we just get too busy. And that's Martha's situation here. She's trying to host this gathering. Jesus is there. She's trying to make sure it's a good gathering. Clearly, they understand something about Jesus. They may not fully understand who he is yet. They may not understand he's the very Lord of the universe who can save them and give them eternal life, but they're starting to gather the idea that he's at least an important rabbi, and he's also their friend. And Martha wants to make this a great party. If you ever hosted a party, most of us don't go into hosting a party thinking, I really want this to be a lousy party. <laughs> It'd be great if it were just really boring and miserable and everyone couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> right? That's not how we think about it. Now, maybe after a few hours, everyone, so some people have left, some people are still there, and you're thinking, well, maybe I made it a little too great a party. But generally speaking, we want it to be nice. And that's what Martha wants. She wants it to be nice. It seems really good. And when, when she says to Jesus, don't you see, Jesus, Mary just slacking off over here. She's sitting there listening to you. I'm working my fingertips to the bone to make sure this is great. What's she expect? She expects Jesus to say, you know, you're right. Hey, Mary, why don't you help your sister out? That's not what, what Jesus does. 
Now, this is, is even more shocking in a first century context because in a first century context, typically women weren't sitting at the feet of rabbis listening to them. The, the men would gather around the rabbi. They'd hear. They could share later on with their wives what, what they had, had learned, but the wives were busy hosting, doing the hospitality work. And so in, in Martha's mind, not only is she working hard and Mary isn't, Mary really shouldn't even be there. Why in the world is she doing that when she could be helping to make sure it's a decent event? But what does Jesus say? Jesus says that Martha is distracted. Not Mary, Martha. Martha's doing good things. She has the right heart in this matter. She's trying to do what is right. And oftentimes when we're going around like chickens with our heads cut off, going to and fro, trying to make things work, we have the right heart. We, we want things to be good. I can't tell you how many times when we're getting ready for service, I, I, I end up stressing myself out way more than I need to because I, I, I want it to be good, and it would be good because it's not about every little detail. It's about God doing his work here. It's about what God has done and what God will do, and it's not about that. But they try to tell me that 20 or 30 minutes before a service, and uh, I, I know it. But I go and stress out anyway. You get distracted. I get distracted and I really think we could call this meeting Distractors Anonymous because I'm pretty certain all of us get distracted. This happens. We get distracted. And so Martha here is distracted. She has the Lord of the universe sitting there in her house teaching the people, and she's worried if the hors d'oeuvres are at the right temperature in the oven. Did anyone remember to put ice in the punch bowl? Come on. And here's the thing that I need to ask myself. I think all of us need to ask ourselves. Am I so busy taking care of stuff, even important stuff, that I don't have time to hear God? Because that's the problem that Martha's having. And I think it's the problem that each of us run into. We get so busy. And especially in our present moment, it's almost unacceptable not to be busy. And when we're not busy, we don't know what to do, so we find a way to be busy. Am I so busy taking care of stuff that, that I don't have time to hear God? And I think the answer all too often is absolutely yes, because I'm just running here and there doing stuff that I, I want. Just like Martha wants to please Jesus, there are a lot of times I'm keeping myself busy doing stuff because I want God to be pleased with this stuff. I'm, I'm running that performance race. God wants me to sit down at his feet and hear what he has to say. I have to say, sometimes when, when I'm not preaching and I, I'm sitting there listening, say, next week Jim's going to be preaching, when those occasions come, I almost don't know what to do with myself. It's sort of like, well, I need to be doing something. Well, I'll run slides, I can do that. Okay, I have something to do now, but 
it mean to really stop? I think this passage should, in, should challenge each of us because each of us is going to have a different place where we get too busy. But what is your place that you get so busy that it's an opportunity to be hearing from the Lord and yet you're not? What is that moment? Where are those places in your life? It doesn't say nothing matters. God's given us the gifts he's given us. God's given us the abilities and skills and the opportunities they've given us because those things do matter that we do. He wants us to do them. But he wants us to also stop and to listen. Jesus wasn't saying, Martha, you should never host a party. You should never serve any food. You should never make sure your guests when they come over are comfortable. No, no, just leave them to starve. Every party at Mary and Martha's house should be a practice in fasting. That's not what Jesus is saying. How do we challenge ourselves on this? I think one thing I remember years ago someone said to me, and it's made more and more sense over the years, is make sure to set aside time to read the Bible uselessly. Now you say, that sounds almost blasphemous. How could you say that reading the Bible is ever useless? What is, what, what is this? What did he mean? This really, I, I like that phrase because it does sort of shock us, but the point of that teacher was that Oftentimes, even when we're reading God's word, what are we doing? We're looking for something in it. Maybe you, you have a question, so you flip open the Bible. Okay, I need an answer to this question. I'm going to read God's word. Or you're volunteering at church. You're leading a Bible study. You're, you're going to encourage a friend. I'm going to open up God's word. Find what I need to, to, to respond to that post on Facebook that someone said, well, why didn't God do such and such? And so you think, okay, I'm going to open up my Bible. Ah, here it is. Must be in 1 Samuel 18. Okay, there, there we are. Okay, I'm going to answer that question. But how often do we open God's word and we just read it? Not to teach someone else, not to reply to someone else, not to argue with someone else, not to argue with ourselves, but simply to hear at the master's feet. One of the reasons I think it's so good if we do a Bible reading plan. Although, let me say, even there we have a challenge because sometimes we turn that into the next busy work. I need to check off this many chapters today or I'm going to fall behind schedule. If, if I set myself on a plan, I am really, I have to battle this because I hate breaking streaks. I've been working on Duolingo for over 1,800 days in a row now because I am not going to break that streak. It will not be broken. Same thing here. I'm not going to break this streak. I'm going to read these chapters. I can't comprehend a thing because my mind is dead, but those words are going to go into my eyeballs because I'm not going to break the streak. That's not reading the Bible. Well, it might be reading the Bible uselessly, but not in the sense I was talking about, right? Because the point is, Am I coming to God's word and just letting him speak to me? And if we're really going to grow in God's word, if we're really going to understand who the Lord of the universe is and how he loves us and what he's done for us and what he has made us to be and to do, if we're going to understand those things, we have to come into his word without a purpose at times. Because if we're always coming into it to get something in particular out of it, we're only going to know what we're looking for.
We need to keep our eye on the prize. We need to keep our eye on what's really important. And what is more important than coming before God? Churches get distracted all the time. This is something that we need to keep coming back to as a church because here we are, we're a, a little baby church. We've been broadcasting online for three years since the beginning of the pandemic. That delayed our opening until last year. But, but now here we are a, a year into meeting in person. So however you want to reckon that, we're three-ish years in the making, a year in gathering. A lot of amazing pictures of God's faithfulness in that. But we have to keep watching not to get distracted. And I bet all of us have watched as churches that we've been in have gotten distracted. And here's the thing, we will get distracted too at Little Hills. We have been distracted at times. We will get distracted again, but let's guard each other. And those of you that are, are friends of, of Little Hills that aren't usually here, but you've been praying alongside us and you're celebrating with us tonight, would you keep reminding us of this too, that we don't get so focused on what we're doing that we miss something either. We, we need to help each other as the broader body of Christ Otherwise, we, we miss the point. And, and a lot of times it looks like this. And this will happen here at some point. We are going to launch something. It could be a Bible study. It could be a Mother's Day Out program someday. I'm not previewing that. We're not there yet. But, you know, someday maybe something like that. It, it could be all kinds of different things. We, we launch something, and that thing is going well. It's helping people just like Martha was helping the people by, by serving them well. It's going well. And suddenly we start riding right on top of people because those people aren't getting with the program, and this program is helping people. I think every single church has fallen to this at some point, that the program, the event, becomes more important than the people coming to it. Or at least some of the people. And in those moments, we need to realize we're falling into that temptation of being Martha's. And we're saying, why aren't you over there serving at the registration desk? What is wrong with you? And, and Jesus, don't you see that, that, that Tim is just being a slacker today? He, he needs to actually get up and, and do what he's supposed to be doing. Jim's being a slacker right now. He's just sitting there. He's not running slides. He's not preaching. He's not doing anything. I mean, come on, Jim. Oh, he's taking notes. Okay, see, he's keeping busy. Okay, he, he's okay. <laughs> we need to be able to help each other. I need all of you to help me as we do this. Remind me when I'm getting so distracted and so stressed out that I'm forgetting what's really important. Let's help each other on that. And let's do everything that we can not to do that because what, what has Jesus really called us to be? He hasn't called us to be the church that has the best programs in the county or the nation or the world. Look out, Hillsong, here we come. No, he hasn't called us to be that. What has he called us to do? He's called us to be his people. And whether we're Little Hills Church, this little church right here, whether we're the biggest mega church, it doesn't matter. What matters is are we loving each other well? Are we loving God well? That's what it comes down to. Now, here's another challenge. Because this is really important for us to, abs to absorb. But... Well, um, 
I have this nice bowl of red water here. It isn't blood. We don't have any vampires here. Um, but we have this nice bowl of uh, food-colored water here. And I, I'm just going to say this is the world, okay? Now, why is it red? Full of sin, right? We're full of sin. The world's full of sin. But then, have some bottled water. Why do we drink bottled water? We drink bottled water because it's been purified, right? So we join the church. God purifies us, right? We, we come into the church. We hear his word. We're told that he loves us. And we come, hopefully, a bit more refreshing. Definitely refreshing. And here's what else happens. As he's refreshing us, can I set this down for a moment here? He starts to pour into us his teaching. And so we become true blue believers, right? Here we are. We're, we are being colored by God's word. May that be the case, that we are colored by God's word. And so here's a person, and then here's another person, right? We start to encourage each other. We start to, to grow as Christians. And so we're being colored by God's word. And so we have this, this beautiful color coming across that. We have that blood red world, but here we are. We're in the church. We've been purified, and now we're being colored by the truth of God's word. Isn't that lovely? That's great. And, and you're saying, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is when we, we start to be colored by God's word, we start to then, unfortunately, also misuse God's word. And this story that we have here, it's interesting that this story that we have about Mary and Martha, it doesn't come in isolation in the Gospel of Luke. It, it comes in a series of stories, and as it often is, little wonder since Jesus is the Lord of the universe, he can coordinate events to happen in whatever time period he wants. He can make it happen. He happens to tell one of his most important parables, or or at least most familiar parables, just before all this happens. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, and so just to refresh on that parable, you have a man who is traveling along the road. And, and travel in those days was really much more dangerous than it is today. You, you're traveling out between cities. You're out in the wilderness. Bandits would be out there. So you're traveling between cities. When you're in the city, you have these nice walls that keep you safe. But when you're in between, people hide and wait for just one or two travelers to be going alone. Usually you try to travel in groups. Because if you're traveling alone, those bandits see you, they seize your stuff, maybe they kill you. So a man has this happen to him. He isn't dead, but he's been robbed and beaten to a bloody pulp. He's laying on the side of the road, and someone comes. Oh, maybe there's going to be a solution to this, right? And that's what we read if we go back to verse 31. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. You have these two religious leaders of the nation. You have a priest. The, you're not going to get any higher ranking than a priest. A priest is the one who goes into the presence of God, offers the sacrifices that the people bring so that they can receive forgiveness from the Lord. And he sees this man that he's supposed to be representing God to, and he sees him laying there on the side of the road and he passes by. 
And then one of the officers of the church comes by, the Levite. He, he, he probably just got out of a, an elder meeting or something. And so he's, he's thinking of all kinds of stuff. He, he's coming down the road. He's tired. He, he just sent off a spreadsheet for next year's church budget. And, and he sees that guy laying on the side of the road. He goes on the other side of the road and goes by. That's why we call this the parable of the good Samaritan, not the parable of the good priest or the good Levite, because who then comes by? A Samaritan. I'm not going to ask anyone here your political affiliation, but let's play a little thought experiment here for a second. If you are a Democrat, I want you to imagine a Republican for a moment. And if you are a Republican, I want you to imagine a Democrat for a moment. Okay? You have that thought in your head? Maybe tune into a little cable news in your head for a moment, okay? You ready? You, you feeling a little angry? Starting to feel the blood boil, blood pressure's up. You're saying, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. You're going to ruin my, my checkup. Yeah, so, okay, you've gotten the point. So now, whatever side that you're on, the man on the side of the road that's been beaten to a bloody pulp is in that party, okay? And so are the priest and the Levite. And now comes one of those infernal people in the other party. He sees that man on the side of the road. And the guy is wearing a t-shirt with a campaign slogan on it. He knows that the guy is from the opposite party. He knows that they're supposed to hate each other. I mean, hate each other. Cable news screaming level hate each other. And he sees that man... And he calls an Uber, and he takes him down to a nice hotel, and he hands over his credit card and says, pay for him as long as he needs, and I'm going to have some visiting nurses come and take care of all of his wounds. I want him to be okay. I'm going to pay for it all. That is what the Good Samaritan is doing. Why does Jesus tell this story right before he encounters Mary and Martha? Because he's just encountered the religious leaders. And the religious leaders don't have the problem of Martha in theory because what are they doing? Every day they're bowing at the feet of the rabbi. Not Jesus because they're not willing to accept him, but they're, they're studying the Torah. They, they know all the prophecies from the prophets. They're, they're doing all the stuff to listen to the Lord. They, they, at least they think they are. Just have it all down. And that, that priest and that Levite, maybe even as they hear the story, they're thinking, well, that seems sort of justified. Because they're thinking, well, maybe that priest was, maybe he was trying to stay ceremonially clean. And if that man were dead, he wouldn't be clean and he wouldn't be able to do his priestly duty. And think of all those people that need sacrifices. He'd be ruining it for them. He couldn't offer sacrifices to that, that poor man. He, he's just trying to serve. And, and likewise, the Levite, he can't, he can't be distracted by taking care of a possibly dead body because he has a, a church to tend to and he needs to make sure everything's taken care of okay. Notice that they're back to being too busy. Now, Martha was too busy with earthly things. She was busy making sure that the people were well served with food and what have you. The, the, the priest and the Levite seemed to be too busy doing the stuff to be spiritual, the stuff to serve the body of, of, of God, the people of God. They have to make sure to do this, and so they're busy. And, and likewise, the religious leaders of the day, as Jesus is addressing them, what's their problem? 
Well, too often they're looking for a loophole to say, I'm too busy to do this stuff that's, that's getting in the way of me doing real spiritual stuff. At one point, they even take it to the point that they, they find a special savings account type that they can put their money in so that when their parents are starving to death, they can say, I'm sorry, mom and dad, I can't help you out. Even though you, you no longer can work, you're, 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 you're supposed to be in your golden years, but you're skin and bones because you don't have any food. I've given all that money to God. And then the next week when they want a new car, they, they go into the savings account and say, well, that car is how I get back and forth to do stuff for God so I can buy that nice car and yeah, I can put a few more features on it, no problem. That's basically what they were doing. They were saying, I can classify the stuff I'm doing as spiritual. Therefore, I don't need to take care of these other things that would distract me. And I think as we, we start to be be colored by God's word, we, we see ourselves, we're becoming truer blue believers. We, we know those, those doctrines well. We know what God wants. And we see this ugly, hurting world over here, but we say, well, but I'm busy getting my, my doctrine and my, my spirituality filled. I'm trying to... You, Tim, you just talked about how we can't be too busy and and, and too focused on serving all the time. We have to actually take time to be with God, so that's what I'm trying to do here. I know there's all this world that's hurting and, and broken out there, but, but I have to keep getting some more food coloring in my bottle of water because I'm not blue enough yet. Avoiding green since I've had my encounter with cheese sitting out. And so we, we keep filling and filling. And so this is what oftentimes the church becomes, a bunch of bottles of spiritually enriched, contained believers. And that's been happening for millennia. The religious leaders of the day, they, they were spiritually enriched. They knew the Bible better than any of us probably could even dream of. They, many of them actually were memorizing the whole swath of God's word because you couldn't just go and get a scroll and pick it up. You couldn't open up your e-scroll and, and, and download from the cloud the latest, latest version. You couldn't do that. So they, they had God's word actually in their head, memorized better than, than, than most of us could even begin to imagine. They had plenty of, of that dye in them. They were, they were as, as true as you could ever hope to be. But what were they doing with it? This is what I mean by, by the other extreme. And, and here's how it often creeps in. I think this is a lie that Satan likes to tell us. Well, okay, I'm getting spiritually enriched. There's someone else in the church that will take care of that world out there. There's someone out there who will take care of my neighbor who I know is hurting, but I have to get to Sunday school on time because I promised to bring the donuts and, and, and the coffee. And now here's a sp true spiritual calling. If you're not making coffee, what, how are the believers supposed to hear God's word? It's in Romans 10. Yeah. You know, who, if they aren't served coffee, how will they hear? And so we're... We're a series of, of bottles. And here's the thing. We, we, we lost a case of water in our storage and multi-purpose room uh, over the fall. It's just sitting there. If you have a case of water, 
no matter how good it is, that just sitting there all sealed up, inaccessible, is it refreshing anyone? No. So as long as we keep thinking some other, some good guy out there, some good gal out there is going to take care of the problem, here's the problem. No one is being refreshed. And there's another conversation in this very same chapter of the Gospel of Luke. We're going backwards. Someone comes up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what are, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus answers. Or rather, the man answers, I should say. And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, That's a great summary. It boils down what our whole calling is to love God and to love our neighbor. But here we see the two extremes of busyness that prevent us from doing one or the other. Because when we fall into that Martha trap, we're, not, we're just sitting there, we're maybe a bottle of water, but our bottle of water doesn't, isn't even getting any coloring in it at all. It's not being drawn closer to God's word at all. But then we hear that and we respond to that and we become like that priest and that Levite. And, and here we are, here's the world, here we are, and we're saying, it's really nice that at least God is working in my life. And maybe we can get this church straightened out and we can all be, we can all be refreshed amongst ourselves. And the world just sits there still, just hurting, like that man on the side of the road. What happens when we actually really hear what Jesus has to say? What happens when, like Martha, we're so busy and we stop and we become more like Mary and we actually listen, not, not as the, the teachers of the law were doing where they were still coming up with excuses, but we really listen. We start to pour ourselves into the world. And that world may get us a little dirty. It may dull our blue But you know what happens? You end up with the royal color here. The king comes into the world. You have some purple here. And it's going to be messy. And at times we're going to feel a little drained. But as we start to see a world no longer hurting, but being transformed, we start to see the reign of the king in his kingdom. We're those sent out. Were those sent out to declare that story and to see the reign of that king in the world? Success isn't busyness. It's not spiritual busyness where we can t- point to how much we've memorized, how much we've done that, that's under the umbrella of a church. It's not earthly busyness like making sure we have enough food for the party. What kind of thing is actually of value to God. It's not that we can say, God, I have allocated every single moment of the day to something useful. What is success in God's eyes? That we love him, that we love our neighbor. And like the Samaritan, we stop when someone is hurting and say, there is someone made in the image of God. And if I'm actually going to not be busy, if I'm actually going to stop and hear what Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, help that man on the side of the road. At the same time that we don't book ourselves so busy trying to prove that we're helping enough people, 
that we forget to spend time actually coming before God in prayer and reading his word and absorbing him. Here we see two forms of busyness. But what we need to do be the kingdom. The kingdom that comes and takes that brokenness in the world and shares God's love. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we come before you, and each of us is busy in different ways. We each have different things that, that keep us occupied. But Father, may you help us that the things that we keep us occupied are the things of your, your calling to us. That we would take time to hear what you have to say. That we would take time to, to read your word, to spend time in fellowship with you in prayer. That we would take time not to check off a box, but to experience you. But then as you pour yourself into us, would you help us not to keep it all bottled up, but to, to pour it out into a world that needs your love? Would you help us so that people would see the church not as a thing that gathers in and stays inward and, and packages ourselves up for each other, but, but just as you poured yourself out for us, that people would see the church as your body here on earth that pours itself out for your people whom you love. What would you use us? Would you use this church? Would you guide us? Would you strengthen us to do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.